Well, let's read this passage together. Um, We pick up the text in Exodus in verses 8 through 11, and it says this. Remember, in other words, don't forget the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, Another translation says, by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do, what's the next word there? All your work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh, seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters or your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or your sojourner or alien who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy or set it apart. It's, it's different. One in seven, there's a rhythm where we, we treat one day differently than all the others and it's categorized by rest. But when, when God said to rest, like, what did that look like? What, what was his purpose in that? What was his desire that we do while we rest? Because Jesus showed us clearly that, you know, he, he healed on the Sabbath. So the, the, the rest is meant, the, the, the heart of the purpose behind it is meant to distinguish the doings behind it. We are to rest. Sabbath. What does it mean? It's a day of religious observance, of abstinence from work, kept by Jews from Friday evening to Saturday evening. The Jewish day would begin at sundown and end at sundown. That's how we understand three days Jesus was in the grave, because Friday began. The Friday he was he was crucified on Friday. Friday ended at sundown. Saturday began at sundown on Friday, like our Friday, and then at sundown Saturday was the end of the second day. The third day began at sundown on Saturday and he was raised the morning of the third day. And so the Jews, uh, even to today, you know, they, they will gather for worship on a Friday night because Saturday is their day of rest, their Sabbath. Uh, most Christians celebrate uh, um, Sabbath on Sunday because of the resurrection. Uh, there are some like the Seventh-day Adventists that still practice uh, the Jewish mindset of a of a of a, of a of Saturday being Sabbath, but for the most part, we understand that it's a religious observance where where there's an abstinence from work. The Hebrew word Sabbat means that we have, or, or we've actually derived that word from Sabbat, meaning to stop or to cease, um, so that we have a really good understanding of that. Now, where do we see the premise of this? Even prior to it being given at the the foot of Mount Sinai, as, the, as what we know as the Ten Commandments. Well, back in Exodus chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, it says this. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from his work that he had done in creation. So what do we understand when, when God, cause did God, did God need, was God desperate for rest? Probably not. Uh, but he, he was modeling for us, uh, something that was incredibly significant because from his perspective as creator, he knows what's best for us. 
But, but point number one, if you're, if you're keeping notes this morning, I, I encourage you to write this down. Point number one is that the Lord values rest. It's clear here in this particular piece, but throughout the passages that we'll look at this morning, Jesus const- I mean, the Father constantly shows us that rest is of great value to Him and for us. Um, whenever God gives us, you know, guidelines or standards or commands, they're not meant to prevent us, but to protect us. And so in, in, uh, in calling us to rest, in modeling rest for us, he is trying to protect us. So how do we understand that the Lord values rest? We are called, we are, we are called and he is, is conforming us into his character. So if God rested, then this is something that he wants for us. And we should share God's values. Um, God, God rested, so shouldn't we? You know, as his children, as his followers. Uh, he made us in, in his image, and he knows what's best for us. So when you get tired, what happens? Give me some feedback. When you get tired, what happens? Yawn. <laughs> um, often, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, it's almost like God gave us an indicator, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, this is how you know. Um, what else? Um, I don't know. What's that? We get, em- we get, we get emotional. Emily just slapped Trevor for that one. I don't know. I don't know what that's all about, but we get emotional. I, I do too. Like, uh, um, what else? We don't think straight. I know that's true for me. Okay, I get grumpy. I get angry quicker. Uh, anybody else? Okay. Does anything? Any, what's that, Eileen? Slower reaction time. Okay. So um, you know, later on in the in the in the Old Testament, we're told that God has given us this commandment for a purpose, and the purpose is that we would be refreshed. God God wants us to be refreshed. And so um, we can understand that all the things that we just described are not the fruits of the Spirit, right? And the fruits of the Spirit aren't really evident when those things are going on. Um, so the Lord wants us to be in a constant mode of abiding, in a fresh mode of uh, uh, acknowledging his presence and his power. He wants to refresh us. Well, point number two is this. Based on what we see in Genesis 2, that there's a rhythm to rest. That there's a rhythm to rest. That one in seven, there's this, this, this beautiful rhythm to rest. And it's something that God continues to reinforce with the nation of Israel as a pattern in order that we might stay in a mode of refreshment. Um, listen to this rhythm of rest. Uh, I'll bring uh, our passage back in Exodus 28 uh, to 11. In verse 9 it says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. He rested. So Jews believe that there was a rhythm to life and that God established it at creation. Um, in the Bahamas where I grew up, um, we uh, most of the culture, especially the island that Sheba's from, um, there it's you know based in the fishing industry. Uh, most of the like Nassau and Freeport tourism, banking, but but in the Ad Islands, totally dependent on fishing. And uh, having the privilege to live there for some time uh, and getting to know some of the some of the guys that have been around for a while, um, they they always speak about the days where you know. And by the way, they they go out fishing for fish and lobster four to six weeks at a time, five times a year. 
And, um, and they would always, the, the folks that had been at it for a while would always talk about the days where when, uh, when Sunday came, everyone just, they call it laid off, would rest. And it didn't matter if they you know, if lobster were everywhere, fish were jumping in the boat, didn't matter. They were, they were, they were not. Uh, in Ezekiel, uh, the Lord talks about the Sabbath day, and it doesn't matter if it's cultivating the ground or during harvest that you are to rest. Because the tendency is, man, if, if there's opportunity to make money, let's take it, right? Well, I want to go back to Exodus chapter 16. In Exodus chapter 16, God provided the manna for the Israelites. This is prior to him establishing the law in chapter 20. And in this, in this account, God tells the people through Moses, he says, I'm going to provide for you bread. Miraculously. In fact, when they got to the precipice of the Holy Land on the verge of crossing the, 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 the Jordan, um, it's, it just miraculously stopped. But for 40 years, God provided these, this wafer-like substance that tasted like honey um, for, for a community of about two and a half million people that they would actually go out and, and, uh, and get every day for six days, he told them. And it tell, they call it an omer. It's about what we know to be about two liters of bread. That they would that they would harvest each day, each person, and they were told only to get enough for you because if you get more than you need, it'll spoil. And and even though God told them that in verse twenty of chapter sixteen, it says that many of them went out and got more than they needed, right? And it ended up smelling bad and had worms in it. So now he says this uniquely. He says, but on but on Friday, you know, on he says collect two omers per person. For those that are in your tent. And guess what? That will last you all day Sunday or Saturday as well. And miraculously, they were told to boil and bake it, eat whatever you want to eat on on Friday, and then Saturday, stay in your tent, be with your family, rest and reflect and remember what the Lord has done for you, and it will not spoil. And guess what? It didn't. See, we tend to think that, you know, greed plays a factor, doesn't it? We, 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 we tend to think that, you know, I, I, we don't really have a reference for what enough is. And so we never feel like we have it. And so we continue to want more and more and more. And rather than just realizing that God is faithful to provide what we need, as is promised in Matthew 6 by Jesus. And so... Um, one of the things we got to be be mindful of is that when when we're when we're called to this rhythm of rest, God wants us to be in a mode of rest so that we can reflect and remember from which all provision comes. Most importantly, our salvation. We'll look at a passage that helps to unpack that. So the Jews believe that God established this pattern of rhythm and rest. And we see it now. Let's keep in mind that even, even up until Jesus' day, for thousands of years, this community of faith, like, like observed the Sabbath. And for those that didn't, there were consequences. Pretty dire consequences. We'll look at that in a minute. In ceasing from labor, we are reminded of one's true status as a dependent being. Of and, and dependent on who? But dependent on God, because he's the one who cares and sustains all his creatures. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, look, the, 
the, the birds, they don't, they don't sow or store up. And yet the Lord feeds them. Oh, you of little faith, he says. And he cares so much more about you. So knowing that he cares and sustains all of his creatures and that the world is ultimately belongs to God, we must, that's the point of our time of resting. Secondly, it reminds us of our origin as we keep it. You know, one of the, th- the reasons we gather today together, um, something that in our culture for years had been a day of Sabbath, a day of rest. Nothing was open. No one worked. Um, it's because in community, we're together rem- rem- being reminded from which we came, why we're here, who, who has provided, who has ultimately provided our salvation, who has delivered us. And, and if we don't have a constant rhythm of that reminding of that, man, we, be, we, we very quickly forget, don't we? I mean, we're prone to forget. I mean, how often did God tell the nation of Israel and then us as the church with the, you know, what we're going to do later on in the service to remember? Remember what? Remember him and his great provision for us. And the Sabbath, if we really kind of dig into it and, and see what, what the motive behind it is, the Sabbath is meant to be a day, a whole day set apart to Remember and reflect upon God's goodness and graciousness, his provision, his faithfulness, that he's the one that's made us. Because we, we very quickly get egocentric and start thinking, oh, everything, the world revolves around me. You know, if we don't have, and, and God has established this pattern that, man, you need it every seven days. <laughs> you need to remember every seven days. It's critical. Um, so why keep the Sabbath? I mean, I, we got to answer some questions so that we understand that it's, you know, because the, the, surely the, 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 the Jewish community turned it into legalism. You can't do this and you can't do that. I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do that. Well, I want to tell you today, because of Christ, we who have trusted him as Lord and Savior, the sting of the law has been lifted. We, we, we no longer are held to the righteous requirements of the law because Jesus fully met them on our behalf and then gave us his right standing with God. And so, but where does that leave us with the, these Ten Commandments now that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? In other words, the, the blood of the Lamb has been painted over the doorposts of our lives. But where, where does that leave us with this, this principle, this discipline of Sabbath? Well, we must understand the why so that our motive and our heart behind it is pure and it doesn't turn again into some sort of a ritual or routine or legalism. And we got to maybe understand a little bit of how and when and where and, and all those things. And so we'll look at some of that. So why keep the Sabbath? Besides that it's God's established pattern for us, it's interesting that Jesus said it was established for our benefit. Man was not made for the Sabbath, Jesus said, but the Sabbath was made for man. Like it, it, has, it, it has a purpose in our life and it's meant to form us. Probably more uh, like conform us. Uh, a verse that we are often very familiar with is in, in uh, Psalms 46.10. It says this, if you can help me, be still. Right? It finishes this way, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in all the earth. If we're still, this is really what the Sabbath is all about. Being still so that we might know, so that we might never forget, that we might continue to understand 
that we might continue to be um, enlightened on who this wonderful God is that is that is created and made and sustained and delivered and rescued us. And then it goes on to say, I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in all the earth. So why do we forget the truth that He is to be exalted and that God has made us and loves us because we are prone to forget? We need a weekly reminder to be still. And doesn't like the 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 motive of you know being still and knowing that he is god being still and and being reminded of his of his mercy and provision and grace and uh and deliverance doesn't that doesn't that cause exaltation doesn't that cause worship in us and don't we desperately need that on a regular basis god said 1 and 7 so that we don't forget and all it does is continue to form us. It continues to make us. So if that's the mindset that we're to have during the time of, of Sabbath, doesn't that clarify what we do and don't do? Not in a form of legalism, but in a form of just in, a, in an objective for one day out of seven. It's, it's called, it's, this day is holy, set apart. It's different. And during that day, we are to be totally focused on the Lord. Now, that's how we understand what Jesus did. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Now, you could put that in the category of work. But do you think that that caused, you think that caused God to be exalted among the nations? That he healed someone? See, that, that's what, it, it defines what we do. And it, and it might even, but it, it also defines what we don't do. Stonewall Jackson said it this way. He was asked to do an activity uh, on Sunday, and he says, no, I teach two Sabbath schools on Sunday. I mean, I, if you want to look into this, I didn't have time to put this in the sermon this morning, but look, look at the background. You can just Google Stonewall Jackson and the Sabbath, and it's a, just an incredible testimony. But he did it with the heart of worship. And he was asked to do something on Sunday. He said, no, I'll be happy to do that with you tomorrow. But, but today, my mindset, my heart set, my focus. And does that mean that we don't set our mind on things above on, and our hearts on things above every day and every moment? No. But it defines our, our mode of work. Does that make sense? Our mode of activity so that we can be still and know that He is God. It totally clarifies. And it doesn't, it's not, it's not this legalistic thing. It's, I'll get to this in a little bit, but um, my wife and I have a date night every Monday night. Now, that's not because I, I don't, I don't do that because I have to. I do that because I want to. I do that because I long to spend time with my bride. I long to, to, to deepen my, my love and affection for this, this woman I've given my life solely to in marriage. And so it's not something, oh, it's, 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 it's not an obligation. It's a, it's, it's a glorious opportunity. And we do that and it, it definitely has created a pattern and it has been very, you think it benefits, does it benefit a marriage to have a date night that's, that's in a consistent rhythm? Well, I'm just going to tell you as one that has, I know, I know that Joe and Esther have been doing Friday night date night for 20, 20, 30 years. Now, 
That's an awesome marriage. And that's, you know, that, that's a fruit of a discipline. Disciplines, pardon me? Longer than Trevor's been alive. So like, um, so it's, uh, so it, it's, there are disciplines within the, you know, prayer is a discipline. It's not a have to. It's a glorious want to, you know. Um, and there are disciplines in, you know, having a quiet time in the morning. That's not a part of my to-do list. That's an opportunity to sit before the, the maker of the universe and for him to, to pour himself out into me and for me to, to, to give myself wholeheartedly to him. But, but this, is, this is also an, imp- an important discipline in our lives that we do with the right motive. Man, do you, can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if every seven days, because, because you know how much you're loved and you know how much you love him, and we, we really need to grow in, in, in both of those things, right? But can you imagine having that every seven days? Do you think that's going to have some positive impact on your relationship with the Lord? Do you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring you to a, a restful state? And you think that's going to have any imp- impact on your relationships? And is it going to aid your, your desire to abide in a, in a consistent way, knowing that apart from Him we can do nothing? Man, you know, this, this, uh, this week, this has been, because this has been a passion of mine, but only from the standpoint of rest. When I understood this week, as I, uh, these couple weeks as I've been diving into this and preparing for this, when I understood, like, the heart behind it, like, God wants us to, to be with Him on this intimate, like, He wants a date day with us. That's His heart. I mean, think about the price that He paid in order to make our, our you know, close proximity with Him possible. Intimacy with impossible. And for us to not acknowledge that or to, to recognize or, or value that by going, man, if I get a day off, man, I'm spending it with you. Right? I mean, because you're the source of my hope, my life, my strength. You're the source of salvation. You, you're, you're my everything. And, and if we don't, if we haven't even come to that place yet, just by, by, by walking this discipline out, we, we grow in an understanding of how significant God's love and grace are in our lives. And it just, it just profoundly affects our relationship with Him. The Old Testament takes the Sabbath observance so seriously that profaning it results in the penalty of death. Listen to this passage. This is from Numbers 15, 32 to 36. While the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not been made clear what, they should, what should be done with him. Now, they were going to inquire of the Lord. Listen to what verse 35 says. And the Lord said to Moses... The man shall be put to death. He was picking up sticks. All of the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him, uh, brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with the stones as the Lord commanded Moses. Now look, two things that should do for us. One, we should go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for becoming the, the one that got stoned for me. And experienced the wrath that his father, like God poured out his wrath on his son intentionally as, a, as an expression of his love to demonstrate his, his love for us and to administer his grace to our lives. That, that should be primary. 
But secondarily to that, we should also be thinking, wow, God's pretty serious about this thing. Why? Why is he so serious about this? Because it is critical for our benefit. I mean, if if Jesus went to the extent of giving his life on the cross for us so that we might have intimate relationship with him, don't you think that a, a day set aside unto him that's been modeled from creation is essential? And you know what it does for us? It, it, it brings rest. Because there really isn't out any rest outside of Jesus. It brings rest. Understand that we don't have to do this. It's not a have to anymore. But because of God's spirit, it should be a want to. We should be... We should sense his spirit urging us to be in his presence. And even if, even if, you know, Trevor used a good analogy in class this morning. There's, you know, when early stages of a relationship, you know, there's infatuation. There's this, like, you just, you know, your parents don't have to say, you know, go spend time with so-and-so. <laughs> that's an automatic, you know, that's, but, but, but when the, when the, the days and the moments come where you're not cleaving, you know that, that when it comes to marriage, in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, God said, here's, here's, the, here's the foundational verse. A man shall leave his father and mother. Leave and cleave. That's a, in, in, the, in the Hebrew, that's an ongoing word. And cleave, it's leave and cleave so that the two may become one flesh. Man, that's exactly what God wants with his bride too. That's what he wants with you and me. He wants us to leave everything behind all day, every day, and to continually, ongoing, to cleave to him as our bridegroom. And it's so much more profound than than what we know to be marriage here and now because he is our life source. He is our our hope, our inspiration, our drive, our resolve. He is our love. He is our, our peace, our joy, all those things. None of that resides outside of our relationship with him. He's saying, spend, spend the day with me and, uh, and you will find rest. So the third point is this. There's, and and this, there's a real biblical theme here that starts, it just is a thread that goes through all the scriptures. Point number three is his work led to our rest. His work led to our rest. I mean, we see that no more. I mean, the ultimate expression of that is Christ, right? Like Jesus finished. He says, it is finished. He finished the work so that we might enter into his Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. We might enter into his rest. Um, familiar with this passage, I'm sure. Matthew 11, 28 and 29 says this. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, that's my, my teaching, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and, I, and, and you will find rest for your souls. So ultimately, we enter into God's rest in the Lordship of Christ. Ultimately, that's where our rest is found. So what, what is really the principle of the Sabbath is abide. Stay in this rhythm of rest. All, I mean, we need, to, we need to abide every day. 
But God has told us what, what is good for us is that one in seven, we need to, we need to be holy, set apart, restful, be still, and know that I am God. Listen to this passage from Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 to 15. And there's a, there's a nuance in here that we need to pick up in verse 15. Otherwise, most of this is familiar. Observe the Sabbath day. Now, this is in Deuteronomy. This is, this is years down the road uh, on the precipice of the Holy Land. Long, you know, they were in the, they were in the, the, uh, the wilderness for 40 years. So this is, this is being a reminder to them of what God has called them to. And he says, uh, observe, observe the Sabbath, Sabbath day and keep it holy. For the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your ma- anyone under your authority, um, or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner uh, who is within your gates, that your, um, that your male servants and your feel, female servants may rest as well as you. And listen to verse 15. You shall remember, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You are to remember. You were once slaves. Do you remember that before you were in Christ, you were slave to sin and selfishness? And that God with an outstretched arm rescued us through Christ's sacrifice? You know, we need significant time on a regular basis to continue to drink that in. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to constantly, and I think that's why communion, I believe Jesus, I believe communion is very to- closely tied to the Sabbath. Because what's the purpose of communion? We do it as often as you meet. And, and what, are you, what are you supposed to do? In remembrance of me. Right? It's a, it's a Sabbath of, it says a holy convocation. Like when you gather together in worship of me, man, remember, remember what I've done for you. So as we wrap this up, I, I have some illustrations I want to share with you. But before I do, it says, Observing the Sabbath was also to be a reminder, a time of reflection to Israel of the Lord's deliverance from Egypt and for us, our salvation. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't ponder on that enough. I can't reflect upon that enough. Observing the Sabbath seems to have the purpose of reminding us of our origin, our purpose, His love and faithfulness, His deliverance. Why? Because we're again, we're prone to forget. I want to use uh, this illustration because, you know, as the Lord gave this to me, I was like, man, that just makes perfect sense. Um, the government over the years has instituted days that we, we, we rest from work. We have, we call them holidays. Uh, probably better to call them holy days. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's from its origin or whatever, but but we have a day called Memorial Day. What is the purpose of Memorial Day? We remember the soldiers that for countless decades have given their life sacrificially so that we might know freedom, right? Now, here's the challenging thought. How many Memorial Days have been spent partying, uh, picnicking, playing, 
And there hasn't been but maybe a moment, because there was a commercial maybe, that was spent in observing the day for its, for its intended purpose. Is that challenging? Because really, why was the day given? So that we might observe and remember the lives that were given, the cost at which our freedom came, the sacrifices that were made, and that we would do that in a, in a, in a moment of solemn solitude and, and reflection. And, and not to do that, not to do that is almost to spit on their sacrifice. Right? Not to remember, not to reflect, not to take that one day of a year to really, to, to say thanks to, to those that paid the price. How much more so should we be taking a, 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 a rhythm of remembrance that God has instituted for us in a pattern of discipline, not because it's law. No, J- Jesus satisfied the law. He did not come to, f- to abolish it, but to fulfill it. But this, is, this benefits us so that we don't... Because here's the next part of the illustration. I remember prior to 9-11, we're at baseball games and football games. I remember that the, the, they would pan around the, the, uh, the stadium and people were talking, people were laughing, um, but after 9-11, did you, you remember? There was a massive change. Like when, when, the, when the national anthem was, was sung, man, there was tears rolling down people's faces. Why? Because now their hearts were engaged, their minds were engaged. They, 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 were, they were remembering something that was of close proximity. They, they were remembering that, man, we're a nation because many died and gave their lives and and ultimately because of God's sovereignty. And so God, thank you. And there's a whole different, I mean, you, even now, you, you know, there's, a whole, there's, there's more pageantry around you know, when, whenever the, the, the Star Spangled Banner is read or sung and the flags come out and the military and there's, I mean, don't you feel like the military get a whole lot more respect these days? Like due respect these days? Is God getting the respect, the admiration the 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 observance that he needs from you. I, I'm going to say from me, no. I'm just going to say from me, he deserves so much more focus. He, ne- he deserves so much more of my affection and attention, and not in a not in a mode of obligation, but in a mode of just devotion and love. And to know that that the Sabbath is really a day that's been that's been set aside for that purpose. To not observe in the totality of that day, the magnitude of the gift really spits on the day and the sacrifice that's been and the gift that's been given. I'll finish with this illustration. I mentioned about my date night. When I, um, I was doing youth ministry in Orlando, um, I, I, back in 1990, I, I took my first time position as a youth, youth minister. And, um, and you know, I, I was given two weeks vacation and uh, and served the church in Orlando for three and a half years while I went to school, and uh, and never took a day, never took a day of anybody, you know. I mean, I'm sure that happens. Never took a day. Well, then I I I, uh, I answered the call to move to Melbourne and and to minister in in a church in Melbourne for six years, and for five of those years I didn't even know how much vacation I had. I didn't even, I didn't take a day, didn't take a vacation. Um, 
I met a young lady. She lived in the Bahamas. And so I went to my pastor. I'm like, hey, can I take a vacation? <laughs> and I want to go, I want to go see this young lady, you know? And they're like, and he's like, yeah, you, you need to take a vacation. Go, you know? Um, and, and, uh, over a two year process of courting Sheba, um, we, we ended up getting married. Well, in the early stages of our marriage, um, it became, um, I just saw it as, as essential for us to develop a pattern of spending time together because what was happening was it seemed like almost every three to four months we were starting to be distant. And so early in our marriage, we established a pattern. We even bought timeshare because it, it forced us to vacation together. Um, we developed a pattern where every three months, so February is our anniversary, then we, we, we go in May, and then we go in September, late August, uh, and then we spend time with my family in, in uh, Thanksgiving. And I've, I've had four or five weeks vacation for years and never used more than three, but th- I found that those intervals of spending time with my bride has been like, seriously, we'll pull out of town and I'll feel like, seriously, I'll feel emotionally distant from my wife. I'll feel like we're sharing space, but we're not sharing our hearts. And I just feel like busyness just kind of, and it's amazing. After I spend a week with my wife, I'm like, man, I wouldn't want, I could be on a desert island with you and that'd be great. You know, I just, I love being with you. We love spending time. We love doing everything together. And I, it affects every aspect of our marriage. Intimacy, everything is affected because of the, the emotional connection that happens when you spend time together with no other, other distractions, with no other agendas and things going on. Doesn't that sound a little bit like Sabbath? But then what happened was we were driving home from one of our trips, and I, um, I, we were talking, and I was saying, Honey, we need to, we flirted with this date night thing because I don't, I don't like keep coming to this place where, you know, I feel distant from you, and then we go on vacation, and I and I love you so much, you know. And then we kind of, you know, get in this path. We need to have something more, way more consistent. And so we started having a consistent date night every Monday night. And man, what a difference it made in our relationship! What an amazing difference it made in our relationship. Well, we ended up having Monday days together, so we ended up started calling it date day, and spend significant time together. But it, it really it distinguished what we did and what we didn't do in that day. It's amazing. Once we established a date night, nobody ever wanted to do anything on Monday nights. All of a sudden, we have a date night. Now, everybody's going, hey, you do anything on Mondays? But, you know, it, it gave me uh, a clear um, way. I, I just said, yes, I have something every Monday night, and I'm spending time with my bride, and that's non-negotiable. You know, let me wrap up with this thought. I, I, you know, and I've said it already and I'll say it again. I, I think, I think we should have a date day with the Lord. And I think the Lord has given us a pattern for it. It's a rhythm. And that rhythm is so that we get familiar with His song and not ours. Because we have a tendency to kind of want to sing our own tune. Does that make sense? And so if we allow Him to establish the rhythm and to sing His song over us, then, and we start to, to kind of move towards in the rhythm of the song that He's singing, Man, I really believe that it's going to have massive implications on the health and the rest, the restfulness of, of, of our body of Christ, of, of one another. And I really believe that this is, you know, I know it's difficult in a culture that really has kind of wandered from Sunday being a day of Sabbath. Um, but 
You know, we establish our priorities when we live them. Does that make sense? And if, if I'm going to get a job and they said, yeah, I'm going to need you to work on Sundays, I'm going to say, well, maybe this job isn't for me. Because I, I really believe that God's established, you know, or maybe you, you establish another, another day, that, but, but that there's a rhythm of seven days. But let me just tell you the caution behind that. But then you're not coming to church and worshiping in a community together. And isn't that very helpful on a day that's meant to be set apart for, for God's glory, uh, for a time of remembrance and reflection on Him? Isn't it so important that we gather together as a community and that we allow other, you know, the Word of God to be spoken of our lives so that we can meditate on that throughout the day? And maybe we could do that in community with others. And that the music is not what's on 94.9, but it's, maybe it's that day, it's music that just keeps my mind set you know, in, in, in not just a five-minute interval, not just an hour and a half on Sunday mornings, but, but a, a day that my mindset is... And I think what's going to happen, I really believe this, I think this will, will, will author rest into your life and into your family, but I also believe um, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to dictate, because you're going to see the fruit in it, it's going to dictate how we spend the other six days of our lives. Let's bow our hearts. Father, first and foremost, I'm, uh, I'm overwhelmed by the fact that I, I know that I have a propensity to go pick up sticks. And Lord, I'm so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you, you came with the objective to, to satisfy my, my wrath that was due me, that you took the stones for me intentionally to, to demonstrate your love for me. And Lord, I'm also overwhelmed by the, by the declaration of your heart that you want to be with me, that you want to spend significant time with me, that, that you want a date day. And you want a, a time that's, that's totally different than the other six days where I don't work, but I set that day apart to be in fellowship with you and with your bride. Lord, I pray that you would continue to help me to do this with, um, with a heart that declares that I love you and I want to be with you. And Father, I pray that you would continue to instruct our hearts in these things. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.